Today, our special guest, Nelson Ebro, joins us from Los Angeles. Nelson is an electrical engineer, entrepreneur, inventor, author, and educator. For years, Nelson Bro has been exploring the intersection of well-being, society, and technology. He's explored extraordinary states, including out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences, facilitated through new technologies and social solutions that can actually facilitate such states. He's developing novel technologies and techniques to induce states of creativity and well-being. As an electrical engineer, he's also championed numerous process improvements for the electrical industry that has created millions of dollars of value and cost savings. Nelson continues to develop novel ways to reduce stress, anxiety, and pain, and to improve creativity, performance, self-knowledge, and intuition. Along with his wife, Minori, they operate a Los Angeles-based collaborative studio, pursuing their passions in architecture, design, technology, and well-being. You know, he's oh, here's Nelson. Hello. Hey, Nelson. Hey, Nelson. Hi. It's Joe Rogan. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't scare are you, me. <laughs> are you sitting in your car, or where are you? Uh, yes, I'm actually at an active construction work site. But I am uh, making myself uh, isolated from various sounds. Good. So I can uh, I can have a good interview with you guys. Good. So <laughs> I know. How, how are you feeling today? I am, you know, shaken but not stirred. As <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite line from James Bond. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like your martini? Uh, like, no, just <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so uh, hey, here I am. So, so Nelson, what, what? There's Marilyn. So hi, Marilyn. Nice to meet you, Nelson. Nice to meet you. Been doing this for thirty years or more, on on a uh, non tech, you know, non technical basis. Um, yeah. But I think this is a really cool conversation, and yeah. I just yeah. So, I mean, Nelson, I don't know, I mean, other than watching a few of your videos and I think when I'm reading one of your papers, you know, I don't know that much about the actual technology um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you're working on and maybe we can explore that in the next Yeah. Hour. Yeah, and to. I don't know anything about it, so I'll probably ask whatever I think of. If that's okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds I'll, good. I'll just be sitting here, you know, mixing my martini or something. But. <laughs> 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 Real spirits, too. <yeah>. Oh yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can just start with, um, you know, I, I'm recording now, so I can edit all this stuff out. But so just introduce yourselves, and then uh, then we can sort of be very organic and fluid about where this takes us. So Sounds maybe good. we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Nelson. All right. So my name is Nelson Abreu, and my background is in electrical engineering. I'm actually talking to you from a transmission station right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do work with energy for a living, uh, but uh, I also develop an interest in other forms of energy, the more subtle forms of energy. Um, so the human uh, bio, bio field, if, we, if you will, the you know and an interest in chi and prana that those sorts of um concepts mm -hmm. both in theory and in practice right in terms of developing a personal practice of um, learning how to feel how to perceive that and how to use it in my day-to-day -day life as well as uh, I've, I've spent about 20 years having um, transformative states of consciousness, higher states of consciousness, uh, altered states, such as out-of-body experiences, lucid dreams, uh, you know, that period between awake and asleep, the hypnagogic period. So exploring that also from a first-person point of view, but then also studying the science behind it, what kind of research has been done, participating in some studies myself, and Finally, in, in, in the last years, uh, I've moved from primarily uh, experiencing myself and teaching to also figuring out how to combine my two 
interests the technology or application mm -hmm. in the real world with this sort of like inner world of consciousness. So wow. I've been working in this field that some people call uh, internal reality. You know, you have virtual reality, uh, you have augmented reality, mixed reality. So I'm, I'm calling it internal reality or consciousness technologies. Mm. Uh, others that are calling it transformative tech, right? So basically what happens when you mix design, technology and well-being, right? Mm -hmm. And I've developed a few um, technologies, innovations in that field, along with my wife and, and partner, Minori Sumanasinghe. Mm -hmm. And we've developed uh, some, some companies that are working in that space, some new technologies. So that, that's a little bit about, about me. Fascinating. Yeah, very well, interesting. Thank you for plugging well-being. My sponsor is going to love you for that. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no sponsors. But, uh, <laughs> so, so Marilyn, uh, I, I've known Marilyn for a long time. So um, just yes, introduced yes. yourself, and this is our little platform. Uh, and then what? Uh, practical mysticism. But So we've had a few conversations already. But So you're just introduced yourself, and you're – uh, long experience with out-of-body work. Yeah, yeah, Marilyn Hughes, and I've been uh, an out-of-body traveler since uh, 1987, and I've written about 100 books on the subject, and you can check them all out at outofbodytravel.org, and um, you can check out, you know, a lot of the things that we've been up to for the last 30-so years there as well, and... Um, so, yeah, doing a lot of the same things Nelson's talking about, except for the technology, which I'm very interested in hearing about. So uh, this should be a fun and informative discussion. Excellent, excellent. So let's just see where this takes us, but um, maybe you can both talk about and, and go back and forth on um, what it actually what what actually happens when you – do out of body travel uh, on a on a spiritual level on a on a physical level, uh, and you know, Nelson, and I, you and I have talked about the amazing opportunities this as provides us. It's like we we have these supernatural abilities. Uh, we have this technology that is very you know innate to our human being, uh, and yet uh, very few of us have ever explored it. So, right. You know, I, I started studying this uh, just sort of on my own, um, finding books about it and so on. And the thing that caught my attention was the idea that you could explore some of these big questions about the afterlife, um, the nature of being uh, through the first person perspective. You were not limited to just, you know, uh, a sermon or a book. Mm. You can have your own experiences. And as someone who is more uh, pragmatic, that, that, that was very appealing to me. So it, it, these things don't have to be an article of faith necessarily. They could be explored from a, at least first person point of view, but potentially even scientifically, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so I developed that interest through, primarily through two organizations, the International Academy of Consciousness, and the International Consciousness Research Laboratories, which used to be the pair lab at Princeton. So hmm. two different approaches, but you know, IAC primarily, you know, was about and still is about teaching people how to have their own experiences. So I went there to learn and uh, I had already had my first out of body experience by then, but then I was able to have more of them more frequently. And a lot of it was uh, learning how to master these uh, energy mindfulness techniques mm. um, as well as just learning uh, how to relax more, how to use different types of techniques, breathing, imagination, and so on. And they also provided kind of a, a theoretical framework that helped to make sense of experiences. And um, it, it's great. You know, it's a nonprofit, volunteer driven. And, uh, you know, I still teach at IAC. Uh, and that's more, you know, has a strong educational mission. They also, you know, put together conferences, which is great because then you see like a dialogue with other approaches and so on, other researchers. And they conduct really cutting edge research as well, like 
my colleague Wagner Legretti uh, was able to uh, study kind of what happens in your brain when you are doing some of these energy mindfulness techniques. And almost by accident, discovered a way to detect, detect energy with uh, magnetic resonance imaging. You know, it's fascinating work right there. But, uh, and, and then at Princeton, I really started uh, going with my engineering background where they actually uh, studied the, the interference that or effect that the consciousness or being can have on the physical world, on physical machines. You know, small but measurable, statistically replicable effects. You know, so it's really groundbreaking work. So, so I found my mentors, right, in, in this space. Mm. And uh, it provided me a fantastic foundation. Uh, but then, you know, you, being part of the world, you start learning about other things, you know, economic inequality or how, how you know, workplace well-being or lack thereof and so on. All these uh, different um, subjects, that, the challenges from the day-to-day world, climate change. And, and at some point, I started to feel a disconnect. Like, I have this spiritual world where I'm learning a lot about uh, the nature of reality, let's say. Uh, however, how is that actually affecting my day-to-day life? Well, it helped me personally in many ways. For example, overcoming the fear of death. You know, mm-hmm. um, thinking more about why am I here to begin with and thinking about life purpose, right? And mm-hmm. examining mm-hmm. each encounter I have in a in a bigger context now, you know, that might be having multiple layers or multiple levels, you know. Um, so all that was useful to me uh, to to reexamine my values, my priorities. But then that inevitably means that you you start to reexamine everything in the world around you, and you start to think about whether this cognitive shift, this overview effect that you get from having the out-of-body experience, is that going to affect the way you think about everything else in the world? And it has, you know, I, it, I have new ideas about um, what it means to be in a society, in a company, in a, in a, in a house, you know, in a, it, it's really helped me to think, have fresh ideas essentially, right? Have a more innovative thought, and, and thought that is more based on being and well-being rather mm-hmm. than money and uh, accumulation and, uh, you know, excess, which is at the cause, at the root cause of a lot of the problems we're facing as a planet right now. Right, right. So, so this nexus is where I'm interested in right now is having had all these experiences and insights, now it's more about, great, what do we do with that? So well, can 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 I just enter before Marilyn? You you, uh, Nelson. You, this is fantastic. In fact, it's taking me to where I think I'd like to go in the conversation. But I'll let Marilyn speak. But on this question of our ability to affect, you know, Bruce, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work on biology belief, right? The epigenetic, the the influence of our thoughts, uh, the influence of prayer, right? Uh, uh, the ability to um, rise to higher levels of consciousness in those zones of love that David Hawkins wrote about. That to me is a fascinating challenge we face. Nelson, last time we spoke is, you know, we're in this world which is really messy and seems like it's unbelievably frustrating at times, um, knowing what we're capable of as human beings with this ability to love. And yet we find ourselves in this kind of morass and stuck. Uh, and yet what you're talking about is so encouraging and you're coming from it you know, you're an engineer, you know, I know Marilyn and I might be considered a bit woo-woo out there in our mystical conversation experiences, but I think what you're saying gives, uh, gives certainly me hope and hopefully the listeners hope. So Marilyn. Oh, well, what I was going to say was that absolutely. Yes. The uh, experiences do translate to physical reality and it, and it absolutely does. So even more, as they progress, you know, after, you know, as someone who's had thousands of experiences over 30, 35 some years now, you know, um, the, you know, when you move through, you move through more and more and deeper and deeper experiences into initiations into mysteries, rites of passage, 
and deeper and deeper and deeper types of mysteries, um, you learn more and more about how this actually occurs. Uh, so yes, these things do actually alter what we can bring into the physical sphere of existence, um, definitely. And uh, one of the things that I was recently being shown was, ironically, uh, Nelson's bringing up, you know, the mindfulness practice and how it shows up on the MRIs. And, um, you know, one of the things that I work with is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And um, uh, I do, I've always done a lot of mindfulness uh, meditations as part of my practices. And in the out-of-body experience, one of the things you'll see is through the vibrational um, experiences that you have, um, if you are allowing the experience to fully extinguish itself, mm. um, you are going to be bringing the kinds of energy through to completion that are required to uh, uh, bring about constructs into the physical sphere that are often missed because of the way that our society operates, um, the way that we sleep, the way that we are awake. Um, one of the things I was shown is that many times with humankind, because humankind is, you know, they get up on a schedule, they go to sleep on a schedule, they don't, you know, engage in deep meditation. And then when they do do meet, you know, there's so many things that are scheduled, even meditation, even prayer. Mm -hmm. And when you're going into these energetic processes, you don't want to be scheduling them. You want to allow those energetic processes to fully complete themselves. And sometimes that can, uh, what that means is that you can be going into this vibrational space and you're coming out of it and you don't want to force yourself to get up prematurely when that vibration is still present, even on just a low hum, because that low hum could continue for another three to four hours. And that is necessary to complete the cycle of energy that the eternal is trying to bring in to actually complete a construct down below. So um, there's a lot of things that um, we could talk about in terms of the uh, practices that could be even perfected more so that people would get more out of their practice, out of more out of their experiences, their meditations and their prayer times, all these things. Um, but one thing I wanted to throw out to Nelson too was I was very curious because he's talking about the MRI imaging. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if they've done MRI imaging because it's something I've wondered about for many years, um, comparing the brains of people who have um, regular out-of-body experiences to those who don't remember them and if they've shown any differences that because I know they've done uh, that with people who have obvious uh, mediumistic capabilities or psychic gifts and they've been able to show some major differences in their MRI imaging in, in the prefrontal if, cortex yeah yeah and I'm, I'm curious if they've done that and shown anything of interest in that area as well you know what I'm saying Mark Yes. Well, I, just before Nelson, I, I remember there was a show that uh, here in Canada, David Suzuki uh, did a show with Matua Ricard, who's one of the Dalai Lama's closest, you know, uh, monks and uh, French, former French physicist. And he went, they put him into um, an MRI and had him go into loving kindness, right? Intentionally. And his prefrontal cortex like lit up like a Christmas tree. So we know that like, if you're in that conscious of love, it um, it's very it's it's pretty clear physiologically. Well, yeah, they, they've they have found, uh, for example, when when people enter the, this vibrational state, right? When your whole body is in a resonant state, or you know, when you are a very experienced meditator uh, and you enter these uh, heightened states of. of uh, uh, attention concentration that you you have a rise in gamma waves um, in 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 your in your um, brain which means like um, these are these are brainwave patterns that reveal communication between distant parts of your brain so there's more in integration essentially between left hemisphere right hemisphere 
and also uh, we, we saw uh, when 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 Wagner, for example, was in the MRI during the the, the techniques, these uh, vibrational state related techniques, that you know there was not too much activity. Soon after he stopped, his brain started lighting up uh, the entire brain. You know, in a, and and mm. what was weird is that there appeared to be activity outside the brain, like around around the head, like it started to interfere essentially with the equipment. <laughs> so uh, it it really puzzled the, the scientists, right? So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I recommend you you know you can Google Wagner Allegretti's TEDx talk to, for for more information. But mm -hmm. what what where where we where we are picking up from though is you know when, when we talk about the these experiences when we when we talk about these experiences uh at at a, at a deeper level one side effect right is that the deeper we're going to these experiences the less and less approachable we become actually to everyone else in in a sense hmm. um so that's a bit of a paradox bit of a paradox because you know we, we we are trying to obviously have an impact in the world a positive impact in the world and at this level we can impact a few people very deeply and, and help them you know go down the rabbit hole if you mm -hmm. will mm -hmm. but there's very few people willing to go there let's face it right at least that's been my experience i've i've taught for a long time but if i add up all the people i've taught i mean it's not nearly as many as i would have liked right just because there's, that's not something that someone, that everyone's interested in doing like on a weekend or in the <laughs> evening, right? Or like because Marilyn does. Well, well, at the Be same time though, Nelson, one of the things that I would add to that though is um, like a forum like my own where people can approach it anonymously shows us that there's more interest in it than one would think. You know, we mm, no, recently sure. just surpassed over 2 million site visitors you know um we're at about 2 million 20. um we have one of the most active facebook pages on on facebook i've been told by facebook staff members you know we have over 840,000 people wow. on our facebook page so who gonna well, listen right, to uh, this who gonna listen to this podcast right yeah well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. right. Of course, so, yeah, so there's like, no no doubt about that. Well, but yeah. Then, so there's there's people out there, and but there are a lot of people who also keep it to themselves or do it more mm -hmm. privately because they. A lot of people tell me too they keep it private because of their work or, and a lot of people have to do that. You know what I yes, mean? Yes. So, so surveys do do show right that maybe around twenty percent of people have these experiences. They're very hmm. common. Right, but what I'm talking about is making really like a very strong, lasting cultural impact, meaning like actually beginning to erode, undermine the the prevalent paradigm, right? The materialistic paradigm. It's very difficult, right? To to um to give people straight up like the the proverbial red pill, like in the matrix, right? So, like most people, I believe, are not ready to just go jump right into it, right? They will, in other words, if you bring this up at most most circles, you will find a group of people, like you said, who are openly interested, some are maybe secretly interested. But I think most people are, are going to be either just, you know, neutral or frankly, just turned off by talks talk about, after life and all this stuff. So what what I've, I'm also interested in is, okay, I I, I know that we we, we can uh, provide techniques and, and and teachings to people who, who are very open minded, right? But then, how do you actually approach everyone else, which is the majority, mm -hmm. unfortunately? So I think part of the solution there is to begin with the first principles, meaning you could argue whether or not, for example, there's life after death. Like if you have a, a debate with, a, with anyone in society, mm. a scientist, a layperson, I mean, yeah, people who had these experiences like us have a 
pretty much an inner certainty that it is real because we feel like we've experienced some of it and so on. But it is not like a scientific fact that's widely accepted, right? And you could say yes, but there is the science is there and so on. But the point is, it's debatable, right? Otherwise, everybody would, would be on the well, same for, page. Well, for someone like myself, <laughs> what, it's not debatable. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. But right, that's great. But there's few of you, and there's many more of the other people. There's a lot people. of me. There's a lot of me, Nelson. No, I, I understand. <laughs> there's I understand. a lot of people like me out there. But I, I, I understand. But if we, oh, my point is just that if we want to help everyone else, which you know, to, to, to make really a wider, a bigger transformation on Earth. We have to I would, also I would, find... I would argue with that, with that point, but I'll let you make your point and then I'll, I'll make mine. Right on. So also, just one point, it's not an either or, right? Like I told you, I, I teach these classes to people who, who are ready to go deeper and so on. But what I'm saying is, I find that it's also relevant to see how we can communicate and help everyone else and what i what what I, we're, we're doing is to start with first principles such as what is uh, what is really undeniable even to a skeptic about all of this for example is the out-of-body experience an experience well obvious right it, it is mm. an experience it is it does it exist as an experience that people can have yes I mean, mm. everyone agrees with that, psychologists, neuroscience, and so on. Mm. Now, is it, a bad, is it a bad thing? Is it a pathological thing? Well, there was a time when people thought that this experience was narcissistic, and it was basically like a, a pathological escape from yourself. That's no longer the case. You know, you find in textbooks, out-of-body experience is another altered state like any other. It exists, and it is either neutral or actually... Now, science has started to come out saying that there are positive effects, such as people who have lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences, they become better problem solvers. They improve their insight, their creative problem-solving ability. There's research showing people having these experiences have a reduction in their levels of pain because they're less you know, rigidly connected, let's say, or attached to, or, to the body for a certain amount of time, at least their attention is, is diverted and they have uh, basically an anesthetic effect. Uh, then we know from mindfulness studies that people are reducing their stress, their anxiety. They're also becoming better problem solve, uh, better decision makers essentially, right? So are these useful benefits for most people? Yes. So what I'm saying is that uh, there's a different conversation that you can have with people who are looking at the out-of-body experience and related phenomena as a spiritual um, tool, let's say, a source of insight about the nature of reality and all that. However, that's a very useful conversation you can have, which, by the way, will help normalize the whole thing, right, and make it less of a, oh, that's kind of weird, to, hey, it's like yoga. Yeah, yoga is no longer just you know, Indian man in, 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 in robes, in, in, in cloths, doing uh, yoga as a spiritual practice. You can't right? do that, it's, though. Now you have, now you <laughs> have women. Now you, of course, but now you, have, now you have millions of women, right, uh, oftentimes wearing, you know, Lululemon or whatever, and men, uh, you, doing yoga as like a kinesthetic exercise. However, if you go to a yoga conference and you ask, how many of you have had, for example, an out-of-body experience? You'll see a lot of hands go up. So really? that's my point. Hmm. That's my point is that we can do to, you know, what yoga has done, right, to, 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 to that practice. We can do right. something but similar. I'd like to jump in here. Absolutely. Um, what, what, I, what I feel like with that is that what, what yoga as an exercise has done to the, yo the practice of yoga has not actually advanced yoga as the spiritual practice. Will taking God out of the out-of-body experience? You cannot remove the Creator God out of a genuinely mystical purification experience, which is necessary to in in to uh, to make this. Uh, 
make this experience more uh, acceptable to a secular audience. We don't need to do that. My my counter point on that, Nelson, would be that we don't, uh, and ironically, I'm going to come back to this, from mystical experiences that I've been shown, and I have an interesting question for you that I'm, I'm intrigued just because it's science related, and I don't know that much about science, but um, in the mystical experiences I've been shown, I've been shown that the way that we actually bring humanity forward is that we focus on those who are open to the experiences we move forward ourselves because it is by us moving forward that we bring that energy forward into this realm and then others by osmosis by the nature of energy moving forward that this is how we actually assist other souls in moving forward we can't um we can't continually step backwards and go back and Re rehash the same conversation over and over again of do out of body experiences exist? Does God exist? Is there mm. an afterlife? If we just do that for our whole life lifetimes just to generate interest within a secular mind, we are wasting the gift that has been given us. You know, mm -hmm. after spending literally 35 years doing this and going into the really deepest recesses of consciousness, what I have been shown is that in fact i'll go to a specific experience i was shown Marilyn, you have to keep taking these steps and i was shown these different steps and this particular one was years and years ago but there were 21 different steps of consciousness and i was like well i don't want to leave those people behind <laughs> and they said if you don't want to leave them behind then keep moving forward because that's how you're going to bring them forward it's when we keep moving forward we're creating momentum in energy and i do believe that there is this is the question i have for nelson when um when i finish here which is just um i believe there's a there's a something in science about you know energy and motion continues to move something to this effect and this was something that was shown to me many many times mystically which is if you want to bring people forward you don't you don't keep going back and trying to bring them forward in the way that I would call it on the ground by continually relating to them on the ground um, from a grounded perspective. You know, when you're trying to teach, like, you know, at the Out of Body Travel Foundation, we also have, you know, we have the course of study, we have all the books that are available for free download, outofbodytravel.org, if you want to check it out. For those who are open and who are ready for the experience and people have those experiences, but then we, we accept that there are those out there who are not going to be able to hear us. We understand that those of us who are working in the out-of-body travel state will be working in energy with souls who are not consciously aware of this. Mm. We will be doing that in subconscious ways, but it's also the nature of how energy moves in that when we move forward and as we move forward, and this is kind of what the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages have done since the beginning of time by leaving behind their words in ancient sacred texts of what did they achieve before they ascended this realm. And I, I guess, you know, that would be a fundamental disagreement that I have that watering down, you know, the message of yoga as practice to an exercise program and taking out-of-body experiences and watering it down from the meaning of life, the path of purification, the way to God realization to this is going to help you with your stress is not the way to bring it to the masses. The way to do it is to make it all that it is. And for those of us who are prepared and ready to move forward and into it to the level that we are able, knowing that God is creating this momentum of energy that then pulls those who aren't quite ready at this moment forward in ways that we don't yet necessarily understand or see. Right. You know, then definitely we have a difference of opinion there because, uh, you know, it is my experience, right, that, for example, rather than giving people, or in addition to, right, 
let's say I, I have colleagues that, you know, they have no interest in coming to your class or my class or any class. However, <laughs> however, I told them, hey, I built this technology with the uh, Escape Studio, right? That's our design um, outfit. And we created this uh, offshoot called Numa Bean, which is the world's first mind spa. So the reason mm-hmm. you go into this mind spa is not spiritual enlightenment. You just, yeah, you go for those quote unquote mundane reasons like have, feeling less pain, having less stress in your life uh, and so on, right? More ma- they have to do with material, the material day-to-day life, but it makes a measurable impact on people's well-being. So I think it's still relevant. Oh, and, it's and definitely re- relevant. Yeah. Let me continue. If I, I listen patiently to you. Yes. So, you, uh, so, you know, my friend will come in and will lie down on this recliner. It's a beautiful recliner. You know, Manor is an architect. She designed this gorgeous kind of long, long chair. And then me as an engineer, I outfitted it with uh, patented technology that basically mimics the, the, the technique or a technique that can be used to reach the vibrational state. I, I, we pass sound and, and vibration through the body, head to toe, head to toe, and the person moves their attention, scanning the body, guided by this vibration that they are feeling in their body. So in a way, they are getting to do the technique without actually having to be told to do it and guided to do it. And they end up having experiences uh, that they weren't expecting, like lucid dreams, out-of-body experiences, the hypnagogic period. So because they don't go in there with an expectation or because, you know, it's not about believing X, Y, Z. It's just about having experience, try to feel better, right? Get, get also, uh, enter these states which happen to be very creative states right to capture right. new ideas yeah, very much so, so. Some, some people want well-being some people want increased performance creativity but in the process in the process they will eventually get experiences that are really paradigm shifting so they'll end up at least some of them getting to the same point but however they would have not gotten to that same point right away if I came, okay, guys, the, this thing is about learning about the afterlife or about the nature of consciousness because they weren't interested in that or they were actually rejecting it. But if they came in just to experience something, knowing that they'll have some benefits that will help them with their day-to-day life, then as a unexpected side effect, at least some of them will end up having that profound change, right? So that's well, my strategy. I think very valuable. I think mm-hmm. that's very valuable. That's very different than what you were saying earlier about, mm-hmm. you know, having the the endless conversations about no. whether there's an after. No, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just trying to facilitate experience and and yeah. recognizing recognizing right. that there that there are benefits. And you know, pain relief is not a small thing. We have an op- opioid crisis in this world. Mm-hmm. Stress is not a small thing. It causes chronic inflammation and an early death. So, you know, these are also, it's also important to, to frame these experiences as, look, they have all these different benefits and, you know, it, they're open, open doors. You know, okay. some people will walk in through a different door than, than others, right? So that, that's where I'm, I'm focusing my energies lately while I still teach those, you know, more profound courses and so on. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on creating, uh, let's say a case whereby these experiences are useful to everyone. Now, some people will see additional value in them as a spiritual practice. Others might not, but well, I think the way that you're presenting them is very valuable. Yes. I agree with you totally. And, and I'm definitely not, uh, not, uh, blind to the fact of the importance of pain relief and, and also the Perfect. value of the vibrational states and the consciousness states in healing. Because, you know, I myself went through, um, you know, a terminal condition that was healed through that's, pretty much my, my uh, you know, through, through consciousness, the, the right. out-of-body travel, things right. that I've experienced. So, so, so we're, we all just can, want to make you more accessible. Yeah. yeah. Can right. I, uh, Nelson, I'm just, I'm cognizant of your, your lunch hour time. And um, I just want to check what, what your timing is, because I want to ask the, 
a kind of a macro question, a strategic question next. <laughs> cool, go for it, go for it. So my, my question, I mean, I'm a macroeconomist and I actually, full disclosure, I've never, at least I don't, not aware, I've never had a near-death experiences and I've never had a uh, out-of-body experience, though I now recognize that, yes, I've had pl- flying dreams and, you know, I've been an eagle and all that thing, all those kind of, now, now that I'm conscious of having had those experiences, uh, so I can, I think I, I could put up my hand and said, okay, I've, I've had some mystical experiences but not like Marilyn by any means, though I, I just believe when someone, you know, Nelson, you said when, when someone's had an experience, whether you've done ayahuasca or, or other, you know, uh, techniques, uh, I simply believe their story. I mean, why would I not believe their story? But I, what I'm interested in is a macro level, because what I'm exploring now is, you know, David Hawkins work on consciousness that if it's, if it's conscious is a logarithmic function, it's very difficult to, achieve those higher levels of vibration, you know, the, the, the enlightened kind of conscious realms of Jesus, Buddha. Uh, and he says that, uh, it's, so if our strategy is to move the spectrum, move uh, humanity up that logarithmic function of consciousness out of, out of the lower vibrations of fear and apathy, which feel right now to be sort of dominant, um, how do we actually strategically, with due res- all, with great respect for individual uh, volition and choice, uh, shift the consciousness of? We can look at both of our countries. You can look at opioid crisis and fentanyl as a crisis of consciousness of despair, whatever you want to point to. But how do we, as practitioners, the three of us, um, strategically affect, right? And hope hope to raise the consciousness of, of the planet right now, which which appears to be at least some say we're in this state of emergency, which I don't actually believe, uh, because I do believe in the biology of belief. So, curious well, to hear my, from both of you. You know, my uh, point of view is that if we if we want people to have a you know that overview effect, that moment of insight that is not something that we can teach per se, right? Mm -hmm, As mm -hmm. something that must be experienced. So my answer, uh, you know, is um, to make the experience more accessible, to make it uh, easier to obtain. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, with Numascape and Numa Being, we are developing experiences, technologies, that would make it easier for people to have the experience and also um, show all these day-to-day benefits so that these practices become commonly used, Mm -hmm. right? Even if at first it sounds like we are making it banal compared to, you know, what it could be, you know, this great spiritual practice. Because my strategy is that, is that if people consider lucid dreaming out of body experience the same way that they look at jogging or or smoking you know uh, or doing a you know taking fentanyl or opioids well i mean uh, i mean but i'm I'm using a positive positive yeah metaphor because these are like well-being exercises right look at them as this will help me be creative this will help Mm -hmm. me have more well-being so let's teach it in schools let's teach it in workplaces Make it like just a normal thing that everybody does, kind of like yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Then, okay, for some people it's true. That's all it will ever be. But that's great. They have lots of benefits, right? But for many, it will open a door to actually have deeper experiences. Deeper experiences which will provide a cognitive shift that will help them see themselves not as a meat robot, right? but as part of, uh, of nature, as part of the, the cosmos, of a more planetary and universal view. And therefore, their behavior will be more ecological, more humanitarian, um, you know, more altruistic as a result of those cognitive shifts. And so the cool we need th- to be cognitive shift facilitators. Right. And, and as a measurement person, uh, I, know, I know that we can measure and verify these changes in our consciousness, right? Whether it's the food we eat, um, we can literally measure the vibrational change. 
and we can measure the outcome, you know. Measure the outcome. Uh, so we can't say that. That's right. So impact can be measured, verified. And as Marilyn, you're saying, we just keep going. We have to keep going, moving forward. Right. Uh, so and that's you know, very exciting. You were talking about using, like, uh, even just the thing of people using fentanyl or whatever and the opioids. Um, you know, you have to, you can't remove the important pro part of the process, which is the, those who are specifically, you know, trained for the addiction, the addiction mm. uh, treatment first. But um, they are incorporating in the mental health treatments, you know, mindfulness-based uh, meditations and other types of therapies, you know, NLP, CBT, MBCT, REBT, and lots of other new therapies and older therapies that are being modified to kind of uh, move forward. And a lot of these types of things are helping people to move forward into some, you know, some processes where they are learning meditation. You know, one of the things that I think is really important is people learn mindfulness meditation of any kind, mindfulness-based meditation. That is going to um, help them move closer to out-of-body experiences. It's mm. a big part of, you know, there are processes and procedures that, you know, the, the things that I guide people with, with prayer and meditation um, that do lead people to have these experiences, as well as ironically reading. You know, we have um, uh, the books that I've talked about before, Come to Wisdom's Door and the Mysteries of the Redemption. They're specially um, programmed and people just have spontaneous experiences. We, we have to realize that there are certain things that the heavens are already creating for us and have created for us, not just with these, but with others, you know, others of these ancient sacred texts throughout time. Mm -hmm. You know, Nelson is talking about yoga and, you know, some of the uh, ancient Hindu texts. You know, we have some really, uh, uh, really amazing texts from the Hindu tradition as well as others. These ancient texts, literally, I've seen them so many times um, in the out-of-body travel state as a stairway to heaven, you know, and these really, the reason they are the stairway to heaven, again, I know I've said this before, so I'll just give you the short version, but the, uh, you know, because these are the words and the, and the uh, last words of the great masters from all world traditions that they left behind as they were ascending this realm, as they if were... I if I may, you know, mm -hmm. my wife you, uh, is, is from Sri Lanka, you know, she was, mm. she grew up uh, in a Buddhist, Theravada Buddhist culture. And I just want to point out, you know, some people that come from these cultures that, uh, you know, and learn them in close to the original language and everything that, uh, you know, Buddha, for example, also said, you know, don't believe in anything, have your own <laughs> experiences. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not important. To, to believe in God and all these things, right? What's important is to have the experiences, reach your own conclusions, and then apply this to be, become a, a better person, to help others. So I, I want to point out that, you know, it might sound weird, but, you know, myself, if you ask me, do I believe in God? Do I believe in the afterlife? Uh, to me, those are not important questions <laughs> because it, what's more important is you know, how is it affecting me as a person? Am I becoming, um, you know, how is it going to affect my behavior, my ethics? Like whether I believe in God or not, like I have no evidence either way. I, I mean, I have, I feel like I have personal evidence that my consciousness, my being will continue to exist. So like an afterlife or before birth, right? Mm -hmm. But something like so abstract, like God, like, I've never met God. I've had you know thousands of rubies. I've never met, let's say, this divine creator or something. I've I've just I'm not even sure there was a creation. Maybe things have always existed. <laughs> These for me are mysteries, and I'm perfectly fine with it being a mystery, right? And it and I'm more more interested in the like the practical outcomes of of, of all of this. I'm I'm interested. I'm curious in these questions. But I'm also, I prefer to have an open mind and a questioning mind and have more questions than answers. And I, I thrive in that environment. I'm okay with it. So it's just, just to point out that there's not just one way to look at these things. And, and we, we, that's why we have these conversations. Yeah. So right. I, Our so awareness I, of God, our awareness of God 
does affect who we are here and the work that we do in relation to the humility that we bring forth in the work that we do. It's very I, important. And, and I don't know, I, I've met people manifests who, in the outer right. body experience, mm. just as does, you know, the, the heavens, hells, and purgatories, the, the divine, the demonic, all of I, these things. I think there are a lot of believers, right? People who believe, but then in practice, they're less coherent. And then right. there are other people who are the opposite. So, you know, yeah, it's I possible think what, that you... I think you know, it's possible as yeah. well that sometimes when... Um, it, it, I, I was not a believer in anything of this nature before my experiences. So whatever mm -hmm. beliefs I have came from the experiences Experience. that I've had. And I have experienced the divine. And so have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of near-death experiencers um, uh, who have experienced uh, right. I'm just saying that there are different ways of interpreting those. And I would not be you know, comfortable saying that my interpretation is better. Just different. To the near-death experiencers, and I speak to a lot of the near-death experiencers, to the near-death experiencers, there is not a different way. Because mm. those who have had those... You, you have not spoken to all of them. <laughs> I've spoken to no. a lot of them. Because right, that's right. What I but do. it's not all of them, I guarantee you. Because I, I also have spoken to them. I'm sure you that's have all. spoken to some. But yes, right. the, the, the reality is I've spoken to many, many of them. Uh, um, I'm probably a lot little bit older than you, Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been yeah in this life. In this life. And, and I'm older than both of you. <laughs> there you go. Yes, you are, Mark. Yes, but not by much. We're pretty close. I don't have any gray hair yet. But. <laughs> I do, so that's scary. <laughs> no, I, 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 res I, I respect really and uh, your experiences. Uh, oh, and I respect I'm just saying that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just putting it out there that, you know, there might be different ways it's, it's to interpret to It's important to acknowledge, though, that the interpretation that a person has of their own experience. And in fact, one of the things that I always uh, say to the people that I speak with about the experiences they're having is that what they felt at the time of their experience, whether it be near death or out of body, is going to be more accurate as to the meaning of the experience than anything I might say or anything mm. anyone else might interpret because they were there. And they understand the particular symbols and the particular things that were being shown to them. So we have to respect, especially, uh, we have to respect um, the individual experiences that Absolutely. Um, people so, so. have and, the, and the, uh, uh, the interpretation that they carry of them. Yeah, and, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And so, so I, yeah, so many, many people who have had those experiences uh, have met you know, some aspect of the divine, many of them have met Christ, and I being one of those who has had many experiences with the Christ, um, and so I have a different perspective of the importance of that. Can I, can I ask you both, Nelson, if you have to go, let me know, but mm -hmm. on this, this big, again, I'm going to take it back to large strategy here. Um, you know, I, what I, what I celebrate is the fact that is the diversity of experiences. I'm sure some near-death experiences have been, there's a, there's a variety of those experiences. And the amazing thing is that, you know, what, what I've been doing in, is capturing people's stories, which is their experience of life, right? They, yeah. they could be mystical. And to me, it's just, it's so amazing, the experiences we've had individually. And yet, none of that makes the news, doesn't make the Twitter sphere, doesn't make Fox News, we're so caught up in this kind of ridiculous rhetoric of of emotion, uh, it seems that, and yet what we're talking about is to me so exciting. Such you know, if someone is listening, a youth is listening, and they're despairing about their future, or they're stuck in a kind of in debt slavery, which we're in right now, uh, you can't help but you know feel hope that wow, if I just explore, you know my your Numa, Numasphere, right? Um, uh, it's a Numascape and Numa being, yeah. You know, someone's going to yeah. go, how do I learn more about Numascape? And, and yeah. where the heck does Marilyn live? I'm not going to give them your right. address, Marilyn. But you know. <laughs> yeah. but but the so, truth is, that this, this is my reality. I heard Marilyn on Coast to Coast Radio years ago. 
I don't know how many years ago now. I think it's about 11 now. 11 years ago, right? There's that sacred number 11. But <laughs> the point is, I thought, what is, and my intuition said, what is a Catholic woman doing on a radio show like Coast to Coast, which is all about, you know, aliens and, you know, the gamut of weird and wonderful things. And so I boldly reached out to her and she responded to me within, within the hour. Uh, and we became friends. And, you know, some people say, how, how can you even spend time with this person who's had such whacked out experiences? And I say, because it's, to me, it's just so amazing uh, that we're having, we have these experiences, human beings, and that we are not stuck and that we give a little hope to those who today might feel a little despair uh, on their life journey. Um, so that's, that's why I want to reflect on it. So I just want to Absolutely. thank you for, and I want to thank the tension also too, as a celebration that, yeah, our experience is so varied and it's right. okay. We, yeah. whether, whether we understand what God is to me, God is love. That's simple as that. Right. And one of my vision that's coming to me is, you know, one calling I received 26, 27 years ago in Jerusalem was, you know, let us build the conditions for civilization and economy of love. Right. And right. how do we do that? Like when we're, it feels like against all odds, we have climate emergency, we have, you know, and yet to me, I cling to that. And that's the theme that I like to, to build on in a practical way. Absolutely. And, and that's what, you know, if anybody would like to learn more about what we're doing you know, in, in, in these practical kind of applications, they can visit a uh, Numascape. That's N E U M A S C A P E Numascape.com. And you, you can reach me there as well as Minori. And uh, also if you'd like to read about some of my experiences out of body and other people that I've interviewed, uh, Dr. Torben Risse and I wrote uh, a book. It's mm -hmm. called um, Ordinary, Exper uh, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences. And, and it's I've, available online and everything. Yes, I've, and I've, I've uh, skimmed your book briefly. And you're, you're in California, right, Nelson? Uh, yes, I'm based out of Los Angeles. I was yeah. Originally, I was born in Portugal, uh, but I live in, in L.A. right now. So here you're born in a, in a Catholic nation and you have, yeah. uh, your parents are from Goa, right? From India. That's right. That's and right. Uh, wow. What a, and, and Marilyn, your, you know, your website and we, we won't tell you you're, you're out of body. So we don't know where you live. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in Arizona and um, yeah, the website is outofbodytravel.org and our books are available for free download. So you can always, um, you know, you can go there and check them out. And of course they're available in whatever way you want them, you know, either on audible or paperback or digital as well, if that's whatever. And we have a course of study as well that you can take for free as well. Um, that Fantastic. A lot of people are utilizing and finding helpful. So, yeah, I think it's, a, I think this is a great discussion to have. And I think it's really interesting also uh, to, uh, to bring the, uh, the contrast as well with the East and the West. Right. And, and let's see how you know we can collaborate i'd love to meet both of you in person and see how we can work together to make, uh, I, make a difference yeah and i yes. love the uh the uh, technologies that you are working on nelson and uh, right on. they're very very interesting and i'm going to check that out at your website thanks and I, well, i'd love to hear more about your experiences some other time well we'll have we'll have i'm sure we'll have uh we'll have this conversation again at a follow-up and uh, but I want to thank you both and um, and sweet dreams. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Happy projections. Happy projections. <laughs> well, that was very that was great. Thank you so much right. to both of you. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah.